Welcome to the Who's Your Ag Today morning podcast. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of February, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, and the podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. Online, they're at ffbt.com. Today in the news, Eric Pfeiffer has Ted McKinney on the Mexico GMO corn import ban. C.J. Miller has the story of a salute to to FFA during this National FFA Week. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says a shift to clouds and rainy weather in Indiana. And yesterday, soybean futures strong. Arlen Suderman has analysis on the Who's Your Ag Today Wednesday morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. An update on Mexico's GMO corn import ban and McDonald's helping to celebrate National FFA Week. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Who's Your Ag Today, brought to you by McDonald's of Greater Indiana. This National FFA Week, McDonald's of Indiana is proud to salute the next generation of farmers from the Hoosier State. Well, last week, Mexican officials issued a new decree calling for a revision to their ban on imports of some biotech corn used for certain purposes. Eric Pfeiffer has more on that ban, which began last Friday. It is perplexing um, why the president of Mexico has taken his people in that direction for so long. And that's Ted McKinney, former USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. Mexico's original decree called for an end to imports of genetically modified corn by 2024. McKinney believes Mexico's president needs to reevaluate how tenable the decree is. There's just no turning away from sourcing a product like we have, particularly yellow corn. And if they want to start transitioning to non-GM, okay, let's get the signals to do that and we'll happily do that. But then it's so, so expensive for his people. So he's got to redo his calculus, to be very honest. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack visited Mexico recently to share that the U.S. won't compromise or back down on its stance against the ban of GM corn. Current Undersecretary for Trade Alexis Taylor and Doug McCaleb, Chief Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, echoed that sentiment in a follow-up trip. Instead of providing a science-based response, Mexico instead handed down this decree, doubling down on their stance and moving up their timeline. McKinney says he appreciates how strong Vilsack, Taylor, and McCaleb have been on the issue. Some GOP senators have called for them to take legal action against Mexico under USMCA. Many of us would like to have gotten this done in January because you need about a year to take an USMCA lawsuit forward. So every month that goes by, we're losing an extra month, and therein taking in the threat of a um, decree getting enacted. But I think they've done the right thing. At sometimes you got to bite your tongue once, twice, three times, maybe even four times on this one. 
but I think the trend is in the right direction. I think it's going to be resolved. I'm appreciative that we've been strong and, and yet respectful. A ban on U.S. corn coming from our number one export partner would certainly be a huge blow to farmers. Lost in all this, as McKinney points out, is the technology companies like Corteva have had to sit back and wait before releasing new technology that would help farmers. I think they were ready to roll out a new trait, I think it was in corn, maybe corn and soybeans, uh, a year ago. And here now, maybe a second year, they've been denied. And the same could be said for other technology providers, whether it's Bayer or Syngenta or others. The Mexican government also decreed it would continue to allow imports of biotech corn used as animal feed while exploring substitutes. Again, McKinney believes that the situation will ultimately get resolved. It might just take more time than we'd like it to. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Well, as we celebrate National FFA Week, McDonald's of Greater Indiana is proud to salute the next generation of farmers from the Hoosier State. In 2021, the McDonald's system purchased nearly $30 million in products from Indiana. And that's Victor Rivera, who owns and operates 10 McDonald's restaurants across central Indiana in Indianapolis, Carmel, and Greenwood. Here in Indiana, we have a large amount of owner-operators. And, you know, it's about being in the community. And what better that we work with the local farmers Without the farmers and the suppliers, we don't have a food chain. And that's very important to continue the success of our business. McDonald's has long been a supporter of Indiana agriculture. In fact, the McDonald's system purchases nearly 13 million pounds of pork, more than 9 million gallons of milk, and more than 12 million pounds of sugar from Indiana's farmers and producers every year. One of our best day parts in McDonald's is breakfast. And you know, the sausage McMuffin, the bacon sausage and cheese biscuit, all of these are pork products. And that's part of the thousands of pounds that you mentioned earlier all comes from the pork here in Indiana. Rivera adds that working with Indiana farmers and suppliers is very near and dear to his heart because he knows those products are coming from great people and great families. We want to thank all the Indiana farmers and suppliers for the great work they do and have continued to do through the challenging conditions over the past years and provide enough product for McDonald's to continue to be successful. So Rivera and McDonald's say thank you, Indiana farmers, and they're proud to salute the next generation of agriculture this National FFA Week. I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened-to farm radio network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. Trust. It takes time to obtain and just minutes to lose. Hoosier Ag Today is proud that over the past 18 years, we have gained and maintained the trust of Indiana farmers and farm families. On any given day, almost half of all the radios in trucks, barns, farm offices, and farmhouse kitchens are tuned to Hoosier Ag Today reports. The number one trusted source for agriculture information in Indiana is Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible. 
I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. A little bit of change in our forecast pattern after several days of sunshine. Clouds built in overnight, and we've got a warm front lifting through the Hoosier State today. This warm front's going to bring rain. Most of it through the daytime hours are going to be central and northern Indiana. Southern Indiana fills in late this afternoon, evening, and then through the overnight. We actually have the warm front lifting through first, and we could see some significant thunderstorm potential here as we move through the evening and overnight. That, again, mostly in the northern part of the state and lower Michigan. That rain and thunderstorm activity could be heavy in the north. All in, all done. I'm looking for a quarter to one and a half inches of rain across the Hoosier State. Coverage at 100%, but that U.S. 24 northward area could be easily in the upper half of that range. So significant moisture couldn't be coming right through there. Now, with it coming through sooner, and farther north, it does look like now we can put together a mostly dry Thursday. Mild to start for it, but I do think that we see cold temperatures come in by late tomorrow afternoon and evening. That leads us to a colder Friday with Canadian high pressure setting over the top of us. That high sticks around through Saturday and Sunday. Temperatures are moderating at least a little bit. Going into the early part of next week, Monday, Tuesday, scattered rain showers are back. Quarter to three-quarter inch rain fall totals 100% coverage for Monday midday through midnight then Tuesday Wednesday Thursday of next week mixed clouds and sunshine cool Tuesday Wednesday temperatures moderate next Thursday another round of moisture likely showing up Friday the third scattered showers a warm front coming through first followed by a cold front and just like the warm front passing through today next Friday we see very warm air temperatures are on a roller coaster ride but overall we are well above normal on average through the next 10 days. That's the way your forecast is stacking up. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. A strong soybean market to kick off the week. This is Hoosier Ag Today and the Tuesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank, and the review is brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, big enough to get the top corn and soybean genetics you want and small enough to care about you. Learn more at SeedGeneticsDirect.com. Settlements from Tuesday trade coming up. First, market analysis. I got that from Arlen Suderman at StoneX. Arlen's soybeans lead the way in the first full day of trade during this, yet again, holiday shortened week. And it's really not surprising with some very interesting weather developments in South America and really almost the gamut of weather issues there. Also, some tensions rising in the world, Black Sea, China, etc. Yeah, all those things are certainly true in supporting corn and soybean prices today. And for a while, supporting Kansas City wheat as well, but it really struggled trying to hold on to those gains into the end of the trading session. Soybeans are the big story right now with uh, significant gains there after gapping higher. Um, the drought is intensifying in Argentina over the next two weeks. We're going to see a lot of temperatures in the 90s to close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit with limited amounts of rain over the next two weeks as the crop continues to go toward maturity there. And they did have some areas of frost over the weekend. So I guess you could say that some locations are going from freezing to 100 degrees all within a matter of days, and that's not good for production. And so soybeans leading the way and good exports for soybeans in the latest data released earlier today. Soybean shipments continue to be strong relative to where we 
we normally are this time of year. And that means further tightening the supply of domestic soybeans, even though we have a big crop coming in Brazil. And as we shift toward El Nino this year, we may grow a big crop here in the United States. We're still going to be tight over the next six or seven months. And so the soybean market reflecting that expectation. Those weather extremes in South America seem unusual. Are they actually, though? Probably not. Uh, when you look at Argentina and it's, it, you know, we tend to th- see other countries weather in terms of our experience here in the United States. And uh, we have a lot of factors around us to really moderate those temperature extremes, even though we have our fair share of them as well that we can point to in the United States. But not necessarily that unusual for Argentina to get those big big swings in temperature. Um, the question, The biggest problem continues Continues to be though the lack of rainfall and the stress that's putting on crops overall if you look at the rainfall for Argentina's crop growing regions from December 1 till now and what's projected through the rest of February looks to be one of the driest growing seasons on record. You mentioned the export inspections report just how tight are soybean stocks getting if you can go into some more detail there. Well, USDA is currently projecting ending stocks to be around 225 million bushels, which is 5.2% stocks to use ratio. But when you look at the pace at which we're shipping soybeans now and compare it to the seasonal pace that we're normally on at this time of year as we come close to the end of the first half of the marketing year, we exceed that seasonal pace by over 80 million bushels. So suddenly that says, well, if we continue and go on the seasonal pace the rest of the year, then we would shrink those stocks down to the 140 million bushel range or something like that, which would be extremely tight, uh, tighter than what the the pipe supply pipeline needs to function. I, I think that we are going to see things tighten up domestically here this summer, but I also think that as we get to the end of the summer, we usually see exports pick back up again as Brazil's bins start to empty out and the world starts coming back to us. And this year, I think Brazil's going to have ample supplies well into our fall. So I don't think we're going to get that lift. I do think USDA is going to tighten our ending stocks as it raises exports. Probably not the 80 million bushel level, though probably something in between there. But it still means we're going to be snug through the summer, meaning processors are going to have to fight to get the supplies they need. Well, you've detailed the strength in the soybean market. It almost seems as though corn has ridden the coattails today. But however, Chicago wheat down over a dime, gaining no strength at all, despite it seems increasing tensions in the Black Sea region. Why no strength in the wheat market? Yeah, the corn getting support also because it's also affected by Argentine drought. Uh, when you look at wheat, it's looking kind of at the weather situation more than it is those tensions in the, in the Black Sea. And I agree with you, those tensions are really escalating from this commodity-rich area of the world, considered to be the breadbasket of the world. But yet the wheat market today kind of ignoring that. We did have strength for much of the day in the Kansas City market because of the poor crop conditions in the southern plains as that crop now starts moving toward breaking dormancy and its moisture requirements go up and uh, it's looking dry for the next 15 days in that region just amplifying the problems we'll probably have more dust storms there over the next couple of weeks as well 
but the Chicago market, the crop for the soft red winter wheat crop is in better shape than the hard red winter wheat crop. It's And it's having more trouble competing on the world market. And so eventually the double digit losses in Chicago eventually just pulled the Kansas City market down into negative territories we got late in the trading session today. Probably should not go without talking about the stock market as weak as it is, a major drop there. The dollar index strong, but the stock market losses, is that chalked up to fear? It is. Uh, we saw Walmart and Home Depot both give warnings in their earnings reports about uh, lower expectations for 2023 as our economy slows and as interest rates go higher. That set the negative tone for the stock market. You add on to there the geopolitical risks that are going up with Russia. Um, threatening to escalate this war to make sure that it wins and pulling out of the nuclear treaty it has with the United States. And China pub state media publishing a major 4,000 word hit piece on the United States, which diplomatically is a big switch in, in strategy for it, suggesting that perhaps it's preparing for direct conflict with the United States as well. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX and StoneX.com. On the Who's Your Ag Today market review, the Tuesday settlements, two and three quarters higher March corn. It ends at 680 and a half. May ends at 680 and a half, also a three cent gain. July up three and a quarter, 669 and a quarter. 21 and a half up. March beans, 1548 and three quarters. May 1544, a gain of 21 and three quarters. March wheat, 15 cents down, going to 750 and a half. The meats up 45 cents up. April live cattle, 165.10. April lean hogs, 89.10. A pickup of $3.82. I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.